0: 2nd Peter chapter number 1 and Romans chapter number 4. You're with me in 2nd Peter chapter 1, Romans chapter number 4, and I'm reminded of the man who, who went to church and the pastor hadn't seen him before, and he after the service, he came in a little late and after the service, pastor shook his hand and said it's good to see you. He said, well, he said, I've never been here before, and he said, I'm just going to tell you something, preacher, your message really helped me. He said, well, I appreciate that, but said, I'd like to know specifically how it helped you. He said, well, I really, he said, I lost my hat, and I really came into the vestibule to steal a hat. And he said, as I came through the door, I heard you preaching on the Ten Commandments. And he said, you was preaching on thou shalt not steal. And he said, I thought, well, maybe I need to hear this message. And he said, I went in, sat on the back back there. And he said, then you got to preaching on thou shalt not commit adultery. And there's where I remembered where I forgot my hat. (laughs) Some of y'all get that tomorrow. 2 Peter chapter number 1. I want you to stand with me just briefly as we read one verse of Scripture here. Uh, 2 Peter chapter 1 verse number 4. The Bible says, "...whereby are given unto us exceeding great and precious promises, that by these you might be partakers of the divine nature, having escaped the corruption that is in the world." Through lust, Father, we're grateful for the day. Thank you for these, as we're about to preach, these exceeding great and precious promises that you've given to us. Lord, you didn't have to promise us anything. Lord, we sinned against you. We rebelled against you. And you didn't have to promise us one thing, but you promised us so many things. You wrote it in a book, and Lord, you're a promise keeper. And Lord, before we preach this morning, we just praise you that your promises are true, they're good, and they are eternal. Thank you for the Lord Jesus Christ, that wonderful promise of salvation, and the promise that we have now of being with him eternally. In Jesus' name, amen. Amen. You can be seated. Thank you for standing. Notice, first of all, that you and I have received some promises of God. These are not just promises. The Bible says they are exceeding great promises. Let me teach you a little bit of English here. A promise is a noun. And when you have a great promise, you have an adjective that builds on the noun. We have not just a promise, we have a great promise. But when you put the word exceeding in front of that, you have an adverb. So now you have an adverb that describes an adjective that describes a noun. Let me. Why would you say that, preacher? Because there's no English language that could describe the promises of God. I mean they are exceedingly, as to be correct in English, exceedingly great promises. I'm grateful this morning for the great promises of God. The Bible says that by these promises that you and I are partakers of a divine nature. That means if I if I get my nature changed, uh, I'm going to have to take God at his word. His word changes me. His word saves me. Oh, his word gives me a divine nature. My nature from birth is to sin. My nature from birth is to do wrong, but I've been born again by the Spirit of God through the promises of God. Let me tell you something. That's an exceeding great and precious promise. Amen. Thank God. So how do we obtain the the nature? It's through the divine promise. God gave his word. His word was sealed with the Holy Spirit of promise, the Bible says. That's what the Holy Spirit is. And then I accepted that. Amen. Now let me give you this. The promises of God. Uh, God gave his word. I proposed to my wife 40 years ago, and all I did was make her a promise. I said, if you'll say yes, and you'll marry me, I'll take care of you. Amen. That's a long time to take care of somebody, you know. (laughs) 40 years I've been carrying her. (laughs) No, I'm kidding you. I saw that young lady. She was beautiful. She was sweet. I fell in love with her. By the way, she ain't changed, amen. She's still beautiful and sweet. And I you listen. I didn't look at her and say, "All right, if you can raise forty acres of corn, I'll marry you." All right, if you if you know how to kill hogs and can sausage, if you can prove to me that you can. You can labor and work and do all these works and earn my love, then I'll take care of you. No, I didn't do that, amen. Amen. I said, I love you, I want to marry you, I'll take care of you, will you receive my promise? All she had to do was say, that's it. Salvation is just that simple. I mean, listen, the world misses it. The world overlooks it. The world says it can't, nothing is that simple. I mean, we live in the technology age and the computer age and nothing is that simple. Salvation is. Thank God. I'm glad God didn't make salvation so complicated that you had to be a computer technician to be saved or I wouldn't be saved. He made it simple. And all I have to do is say, Lord, I believe your word, I trust your promises, and I receive it for myself. Amen. And when I do, God says that's it. I'll seal it with the Holy Spirit. So number one, I see here that there's a promise. You know, I'm not going to preach this, but you can. There's a promise that's eternal. A promise that's eternal. Number two, there's a partaker who has embraced those eternal promises. And then look at the third thing. There's a prisoner that has escaped. There's a promise eternal, a partaker that has embraced, and a prisoner that has escaped. He says, we have escaped the corruption that is in the world through lust. Thank God we don't have to be under the power of sin anymore. Amen. Amen. The Bible says that if we're under grace, that sin hath no more dominion over us. If you're saved, then the Spirit of God's inside of you. There is a power inside of you to get you out of anything that is against the Word of God. There's a power inside of you if you'll tap into the resources of God, into the Spirit of God, into the Word of God, into the Lord Jesus. Uh, you can be delivered from under the dominion of any sin. You say, preacher, I don't know. Only 4% of people ever get off of meth, whatever that method stuff is. I've seen people do it without suboxone through the grace of God. I've seen it right here. I've seen cocaine addicts become preachers. I've seen drunks become preachers. I've seen the worst people in the world become missionaries, fall in love with the Lord Jesus Christ, break the league with sin. That's what it means to mortify your body when the Bible talks about that. And so that we have escaped the the lusts that are in the world through the promises of God. What is a promise? Well, the dictionary says the promise is a declaration of an assurance that one will do a particular thing or a particular thing will happen. A promise is a declaration of assurance. Let me tell you something. If you don't have assurance of salvation right here, I'm holding it in my hand. Here is a declaration of assurance that God will save all that come to Him through Jesus Christ. Thank God. What is a promise? It's a declaration of assurance. Now we have companies today that make products. And they put a warranty or a guarantee or their word behind that product. And they say, if you buy this product, then for this amount of time, we will warranty that, we'll guarantee that product, and we will service that product free. And that company is only as good as their reputation to stand behind their warranty, right? Boy, I'm gonna tell you something about God. God's got a product, and it's salvation. Let me tell you about God's warranty. It's a lifetime. Amen. Hey, man, God's got a lifetime warranty on his salvation. Let me tell you something. You say, well, God's trying to build a reputation. No, he already has a reputation. He don't need to build it. He don't need to show us that he's good to his word. Listen to what he says. He says, I am the Lord, and there is none else. There is no God beside me. I girded thee, though thou hast not known me, that they may know from the rising of the sun and from the west that there is none beside me. I am the Lord, and there is none else. Let me tell you something. God doesn't have one thing to prove. He's God, and there's none other beside him. And by the way, if he says it, you better take him at his word. He doesn't like it, when we don't live by faith, as the choir sang this morning, amen. So when it comes to the spiritual, our God is a God who has integrity. He not only offers salvation, but the Bible says he will be faithful. The Bible says in 1 Thessalonians, faithful is he that calleth you who also will do it. Y'all get that? Did he call you? Did he save you? You know what? He'll continue to do that. He'll continue to call you. He'll continue to save you. Well, you say, I just need salvation once. Listen, the truth is you need to be saved every day. There's a lot of things we need to be saved from. And so God offers this wonderful salvation. I think of David. You know, when you read of David, how terribly David was treated. He was treated so badly by his brethren that they put him out to keep the sheep. And he was hated by his family, despised by his brothers. You could tell by the way they treated David that he, any of the rest of us would just become depressed, but not David. You say, what sustained David through those years when he, his family just despised him? His brothers put him out I mean, what sustained him when, after he killed Goliath and Saul wanted to kill David? The king was after David to kill him. What sustained David? How did he make it through all of that depression? Oh, I read when David was depressed, he wrote psalms of hope and God. You know what God did? God gave David a guarantee. He said, David, I'm going to do something for you. I'm going to guarantee you. I'm going to give you my promise that you're going to sit on the throne of Israel. You're going to have a man to sit on that throne forever and ever from your seed. Wow. That's a great promises. And, and, and God said, I'm going to build a great nation and I'm going to put a man on the throne. And Solomon comes along, David's son. And Solomon says this, blessed be the Lord that hath given rest unto his people Israel according to all that he promised. Listen this carefully. There hath not failed one word. Of all his good promise. Solomon, David's son, stands up years later and says, God promised this and God hath fulfilled it. So what sustained David through all that time? You know what did? God's promises. He was reading the Bible, and, and he read and he wrote in Psalm 105 about the nation of Israel. He looked back at the promises that God gave Abraham, and he said, wait a minute, if God will do that for Abraham, why won't he do it for me? If God will keep his promises to Abraham, and he has, he'll do it for me. And David begins to write the Psalms, and he says in 105, Psalm 105, for he remembered his holy promise. And Abraham, his servant, hey, the the, the people of Israel, for 400 years, it looked like God's promise was no good. Are you listening? For 400 years, God promised they would be a nation. God promised that there would be a man to sit on the throne. And for 400 years, they were living in Egypt. Abraham's promise looked like it was null and void. But God remembered. Amen. God remembered his promise, and I believe Abraham was in heaven. The Bible says he's the God of the living, not of the dead, and I believe Abraham was in heaven, and after about a hundred years, he said, Lord, I believe you made me a promise back yonder, and the Lord said, just wait just a minute, and about another hundred years go by, and Abraham reminds the Lord, the Lord, you know, you made me a promise in, our, in my people's is in bondage in Egypt, and 300 years, and four hundred. finally after 400, God steps up and says, Abraham, it's time. I'm going to go down yonder and get in a burning bush, and I'm going to call Moses, and Moses is going to deliver those people, amen. And you know what David was doing? David was looking back and saying, if God's promises are good, I'm going to live by them. And God said, but David, because you're believing what I've wrote in my book and what I've recorded in history and what I've recorded for your promises, if you're going to believe that, I'm going to make you some promises. Amen. Let me tell you something. If you and I will read the book and believe what God has done and believe what God said he'd do for us, he will do it for us. Thank God. So David here it's, and it says this in Psalm 105, the next verse. He said, he brought forth his people with joy and is chosen with gladness. I'm glad Abraham was rejoicing in heaven that the people got out of Egypt. But I'm going to tell you something. The people that got out of Egypt was rejoicing too. They was walking here on earth and said, hey, God's delivered us. His promise has come true. Let me tell you something. Boy, i tell you what I'm going to do. One of these days, I, when we get to heaven, I'm going to walk around, kick a few people and say, I told you it's going to be good amen <laughs> you didn't believe the problem I mean you walked around here on earth and you had the molly grubs and thought you was going to lose your salvation amen preacher you thought you was going to lose your salvation you thought you the Lord couldn't do it you thought he wasn't able you worried you suffered anxiety and listen the whole time I was up there in the pulpit screaming just trust God <laughs> preaching. just preaching, just believe what God said he'd do. He, listen, you ever get a hold of what God said he'd do for you, you'll shout to the high heavens, amen. You ever get a hold that God said he'd promise you a salvation in Jesus Christ and all you'd have to do was say an eternal yes to the Lord Jesus Christ, you'd shout to the high heavens. You know why I believe our old people used to shout? I believe they'd get a hold of it. Amen. I believe they were some dear old saints of God that would get a hold of what God said he'd do and they'd shout praise God till the chill bumps come up on your arms because they could get a hold of the promises of God. Amen. Boy, I pray that we can get a hold of it. Amen. And so Abraham's in heaven, people on earth praising God. Then you jump forward 3,000 years and there's old Stephen. Stephen gets a hold of it too. He's just a deacon. He's not even a preacher. He's a deacon in a Baptist church. And old Stephen is praising God. He's preaching the word of God and he says this, But when the time of the promise drew nigh, which God had sworn to Abraham, the people grew and multiplied in Egypt that God delivered his people. You know what? they did to Stephen for believing the promise? They stoned him. Let me tell you something. I don't care what this world does. I don't care where this world goes. I've done settle this book in my heart. You're talking about a blessing. If you can settle this book in your heart and believe and trust God, you can lay down tonight and sleep. Amen. You won't even have to take a baby aspirin. If you'll trust God, You can enjoy life. Amen. If you'll just believe God, I I challenge you. Try it one day. I want to challenge you this this day. Just completely walk out of this church after a while. And you just completely and totally trust the Lord Jesus Christ. It'd be the best day you ever had. If you'll just get a hold of his promises. Romans chapter 4, I've got to hurry. Turn with me to Romans chapter 4, and verse 16. I'm going to read several verses of scripture here. Try to slow down as I read. I normally read fast. Watch these promises now. Verse 16 of Romans chapter 4, and just keep stay there for the rest of the message. The Bible says, therefore, it is of faith. What is he talking about? Verse 13, I'm going to read it, the promise. So the promise in verse 16 is of faith that it might be by grace. Amen. What are you, preacher? I'm a grace by faith preacher. I'm a faith by grace preacher. Amen. To the end that the promise might be sure to all the seed, not to to that only which is of the law, but to that which is of the faith of Abraham who is the father of us all. Boy, there's another message. Abraham's my father by faith i become of the seed of Abraham. Verse number 17, as it is written, I have made thee a father of many nations before him who he believed, even God, who quickeneth the dead and calleth those things which be not as though they were, who against hope believed in hope, praise God that he might become the father of many nations. According to that which was spoken, so shall thy seed be. And being not weak in faith, he considered not his own body now dead when he was about 100 years old, neither the deadness of Sarah's womb. She was about 90. And he staggered, verse 20, not. He staggered, watch this. He staggered not at the promise of God through unbelief, but was strong in faith, giving glory to God. We're on holy ground. Verse 21, and being fully persuaded that what he had promised he was able also to perform. And therefore it was imputed unto him. You know what that word imputed means? Take the E-D off, it means input. It was imputed unto him for righteousness. Now it was not written for his sake alone that it was imputed to him, but for us also, let that sink in, for us also to whom it shall be imputed, if we do what? Believe on him that raised up Jesus our Lord from the dead who was delivered for our offenses and raised again for our justification. Man, it would take weeks to preach through that. I mean, but here's what I'm preaching. If Abraham could just take God at his word, God said it, I believe it. That settles it. By the way, whether I believe it or not, it's still settled. God said it, that settles it. And we come forward, and God gives his word and sends his only begotten son. You and I have some exceeding great and precious promises. There's not enough adjectives, there's not enough adverbs, there's not enough nouns in the English language to describe what God has done for us. If you could read the chill bumps on my arm, they're saying, glory to God. I mean, you have to read them in Braille, though, amen. Oh listen, watch this. The Bible said that Abraham did not stagger at the promises of God. He didn't. That word means to waver. Now he was the Bible said that he was fully persuaded that's not don't listen. When it comes to salvation and the word of God, don't be partially persuaded, be fully persuaded. And he said he was fully persuaded that God would honor His word, God was competent to do it, God was capable of doing it, and God was going to do it. Amen. He was going to fulfill His word. So to stagger means to waver. To stagger means to be at odds with one'self. To stagger means to second-guess yourself. Is everybody with me? You ever second-guess yourself? You ever lose confidence in yourself? And you begin to second-guess? You begin to doubt yourself? And you begin to hesitate? Let me tell you something. Don't you do that with God. Don't you hesitate with God. What he said is true. What he said he'd do, he'll do. Amen. And some, listen, sometimes... I'll be honest with you. I don't stagger in faith. I believe God can do what he says. I don't waver in doctrine. I I believe God. I don't second guess God. But sometimes here's what staggers me. When When I start thinking about what the Lord has done for me, for me, I didn't deserve his grace. I didn't deserve him to go to the cross. I didn't deserve his blood. I didn't deserve his salvation. I didn't deserve his forgiveness. I mean, listen, I ought to be in hell with my back broke this morning. But when I think about what God done for me, it does stagger my mind. Oh, I tell you, I just can't grasp it. And by that, I don't mean I waver at doctrine. By that, I mean my mind staggers to just try to compute all of that information that God loved me in spite of myself. Wow. But you know what? The Bible says that Abraham didn't become uncertain, there was no suspension of judgment, he believed in these miracles. You say, it'd have to be a miracle, preacher, if you get to heaven, I'll agree with you, amen. But there was a miracle done for me on the cross. Amen. You say, preacher, it'd be a miracle if heaven is real and everything the Bible says is real and it, that, that, man, there's no tongue that can describe heaven. Oh, listen, that, that's just a miracle. You better believe it's a miracle. It's a, Heaven's a miracle. Salvation's a miracle. Hey, you know what I do? I'm going to be like Abraham. I'm going to believe it. I'm not going to stagger. I'm not going to second guess God. I'm going to say, God, if you said it, I believe it, settles it. Amen. So the truth for you and I today is that we need to believe the word God. Of God. The Bible says that Abraham trusted God to give him a son when he was 100 years old. He took that son, we saw this last week, he took that son up to Mount Moriah when, he was about, when that son was about 30 years old, believing that if he put a knife in him that he would, God would raise him from the dead. That's pretty much faith. He believed that God would build of him a great nation. And yet I want you to see something about that nation. Not only did that nation go to, go to Egypt for 400 years before God delivered it, I want you to understand that that nation got destroyed in A.D. 70. Titus destroyed that nation, dispersed the Jews, and for nearly 2,000 years they were not a nation. So now we got Abraham in heaven, he's got that 400 years behind him, but he's got 2,000 more years ahead of him to question the promises of God. And I just wonder if Abraham, about A.D. 200, didn't say, Lord, how in the world are you going to bring your promises back together? There's never been a people on the face of planet Earth, scattered throughout the whole world, that ever came back together, ever that ever came back together as a nation. And I could just see Abraham about 500 AD and 1000 AD and, and 50. And all of a sudden he gets down to 1948 and God says, Set still, Abraham. We're going to go down there and put them back together. That's a miracle. Amen. And not only did those Jews come back together in 1948, they had preserved, they were dispersed. Now you think about America. Let's, y'all are looking at me kind of funny. Let me explain this. If America got defeated today and, they, and we got dispersed throughout the whole world and China came in or Russia came in and took over, you think we'd maintain our integrity as a people? You're nuts if you do. Do you think we would? while we would mix in, blend in with the rest of the world, and that'd be the end of America? It wasn't the end of the Jew. Not only did they come back together as 100% Jews. I mean they forbid they forbid intermarriage. Well that gets sticky, doesn't it? But they did. They forbid inter-intermarriage. They wouldn't intermarry with other races. And they maintained their language. Hebrew language and when they came back together they already had a nation they had a language I'm going to tell you something that's a miracle it's a modern day miracle and it happened in our lifetime and by the way that May the 16th 1948 is a day of prophecy that happened in our lifetime that's being much overlooked by prophets today we're in the end of days since 1948 I, I'm getting into prophecy here we go promises of God The truth for you and I today is that this is the promise that he hath promised us, 1 John 2.25, even eternal life. Amen. God help us to grasp what God has given us without wavering, without hesitation, without second-guessing, without doubting. When I look at my Bible, it is absolutely full of God's covenants and God's promises, commitments to man, they're valid. Amen. i got to close the message. I think of one covenant in particular. God promised that he'd never destroy the earth with water again. He said, I'll tell you what I'm going to do. I'm going to set my bow in the clouds. You say, how did that happen? Well, previous to Noah, it had never rained on the earth. The earth was watered with a mist. And when God broke up the fountains of the deep and he broke up the heavens and he flooded the earth, that caused the atmosphere that we, you and I are living in today, which caused the rainbow. And God, every time I look at that, that rainbow, I, I can't help but say out loud, when I see that beautiful thing in the sky, I say, God's promised. God's promised. And we have today Some folks with all these initials that have changed that promise into pride. And I think that grieves the very heart of God. But you know something? That doesn't annul the promise. I don't care what they take that symbol for. God said that's still my promise. I'll never flood the earth again with water. Amen. I'll never judge the earth like that again, I thank God for His faithfulness to us. What was our text verse? That we have some exceeding great and precious promises. Let me give you these quickly. I'm just going to read them, and we'll close. God promised that Christ would be born in the seed of Abraham, and He was. You can check His genealogy out in Matthew. God covenanted to raise Jesus Christ from the dead. The Bible says, of this man's seed hath God, according to his promise, raised a Savior. And that's Jesus. God told us that he would send the Holy Spirit. Listen to this. And he said, Behold, I send the promise of my Father. Tarry in Jerusalem until you be endued with power from on high. Let me tell you something, it'd be good for us to just tarry right in, right in the presence of God until we were endued with power from on high. That's the promise of the Spirit of God. God's promise to hear us. First John, the Bible says, and this is the confidence that we have in him. If we ask anything in his according to his will, he heareth us. God's promise to comfort us. Oh, Listen, I visited Miss Mary in the hospital yesterday. And I I said, Miss Mary, you just needed to be comforted by the Holy Spirit. She was just suffering anxiety attacks and worried. Hey, God sent his spirit to comfort us. Listen, Jesus said in John 14, I will pray the Father and he will send another comforter. And he'll give you that he may abide with you forever. The Bible says God's promise to be faithful. Amen. That He says this in uh, 1 Thessalonians 5. Faithful is he that calleth you, faithful is he that'll do it. Amen. Let me tell you something. I've not been faithful always. Amen. I've not been faithful. But I'm going to tell you something. I can point you to one who is faithful. Amen. Faithful is he who promised. And faithful is he who will do it. God's promise to bring good out of suffering. Are you suffering something right now mentally, physically? financially. God has promised to bring good out of it. Wow. Listen to what he says. For our light affliction down here, which is but for a moment, worketh us a far more exceeding and eternal weight of glory. God's promise to comfort us as I said. He, David said this, in the multitude of my Thoughts. Boy, this grabbed me. Hope it grabs you. He said, in the multitude of my thoughts within me, thy comforts delight my soul. In the multitude of my thoughts. Your mind ever run away with you? I mean, you just your mind just running a million trails. I mean, you run hypothetical races that way and that way and that way. And the multitude of your thoughts is just going every way. God has promised to comfort you if you'll trust him. Instead of running all those things of what might happen, what can happen, what if this happens, What if, I mean, that'll go a million trails and leave you as confused as a termite and a yo-yo. If you'll just trust God, he'll comfort you. Amen. He's promised to comfort. He's promised to uphold us. David said this, God is my refuge, and underneath are the everlasting arms. Amen. We sing the old song in the Baptist hymnal, Leaning on the everlasting arms. The Bible says they're underneath of us. Praise God. I'm going to trust in the everlasting arms. You know what that is? That's the promises of God. Amen. I'm through preaching. Let's stand. Thank you for being here. I want to give you one more promise. He's promised to save us. He's promised. I'm going to tell you something. You can find the worst sinner... In Chilhawe, you can find somebody who's laden down with sins. And if they'll come to Jesus, God's promised that if they'll come to Him and repent of their sins and receive it, just like Lisa received my promise, that God said He'd save them. I want to ask you this morning. Is there one here that you're lost? You don't know Christ as your Savior. You've never trusted the promises of God. You've never said that eternal yes to the Lord Jesus. You've never embraced what he's promised. Is there one like that this morning? You're lost and you don't know Christ. Would you slip up your hand quickly and take it down? Anybody at all? We wait just a moment. The Bible says the Lord is not slack concerning his promise, but is long-suffering to usward, not willing that any should perish. You know who that any is? (laughs) The worst sinner in Chilhowee. Not willing that any should perish. Who is that, preacher? That's the boys on the mountain that vandalized that church. Not willing that any should perish. The Lord is not slack concerning His promise. Who is that preacher? That's somebody with a hangover this morning. Somebody in the mental institution this morning. The Lord is not slack concerning His promise, as some men count slackness, but His long suffering to us. Not willing that any should perish, but all should come to repentance. Amen. Thank God for His promises this morning.